cliffcentral.com Ooh, what does this button do? Please, please, do not push the button. You have no idea what it is. Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Leon Segev on cliffcentral.com and it is another episode of Talking Tech on Cliff Central, where we make technology easy for anybody to understand. We like to translate tech into simple language, as we like to say it. And when I say we, it's not me being schizophrenic again. I've got Tanya Kowalski in the studio again. Hello, Tans. Hi, Liron. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. And how's your other personality doing? We're all fine. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> you know, being schizophrenic. And all. And all, yeah. <laughs> okay. All of us are fine. Thank you. So we've got a very, very cool show lined up for us. We're all about the money. Today, we're talking about online payments and what do you do if you don't have a credit card? Can you still make payments online? We'll be discussing that solution shortly. We're also joined by the Bitcoin expert of this country, Simon Dingo, who's going to be um, letting us know all about what is Bitcoin. We've all heard this terminology. We've all heard it's the future. But realistically, do we all know what it's all about? I say no. So let's get those answers. Uh, don't forget, you can be part of the conversation as usual. Um, WeChat ID is Cliff Central. You can um, send us a message to screen there. There's an option there called connect and then message to show. And if you don't be shy, if you want any, any questions, just bang those out. No problem. Um, if by any chance you're one of those people who uses old technology like making phone calls, it's 0861 is the telephone number. But realistically, it's at cliffcentral.com is the Twitter account. Uh, mine is at Liron underscore S-E-G-E-V. Tanya's one is... Tanya Kowalski, T-A-N-Y-A-K-O-V-A-R-S-K-Y. So, without further ado, um, Tanya, if I had to say to you how many credit cards you have in your purse, I don't want to look in your bag for obvious reasons. Okay. Because all those other stuff in there. But in your, in your purse, how many would you think? Well, it's almost as much as my lipstick. So, are we talking about personal credit cards, credit cards that belong to other people? I rest my case. Okay. <laughs> all of the above, right? I've probably got about eight. Okay, so you know, and then oh, eight credit or check cards. Okay, so and, and and that's kind of critical if you want to do anything online these days. If you want to shop, you know, if you want to shop, Kalahari, take a lot, whatever. Yeah, they call absolutely. Themselves. Whether it's online or in real life. On real life, it, it kind of makes a big difference. But we have a problem where, first of all, not everybody's entitled to a credit card. You know, you might not meet that criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of kids um, who are of certain ages, and obviously they not allowed to have these kind of facilities. Um, you got people who just don't trust the system. They don't want to have their credit card information put online because they fear they're going to be traced and hacked and all their money stolen. And, you know, and there is some validity into that as yeah, well. Or, or people who want to curb their spending habits. So, um, for example, absolutely. if you owe a massive amount on your credit card, you probably don't want to use, you know, use it more. again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As tempting as it is. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing with credit card is that you know they, give, they sell you all these interest-free for 30 days and 60 days. And unless you really work the system, realistically, you'll end up paying at a point on something. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of people are kind of been staying away from it. Um, I find the security one very interesting. The people want to shop online, want the convenience, but don't want to put their personal details online. Um, is, is that not changing a bit? It, well, the new generation yeah. going, I don't know what you're talking about. I mm. can just cancel my credit card. Um, and realistically, you have a lot of protection. Um, if you are buying at somebody else's website, you have more protection than actually the merchant does. Because you can dispute that transaction. You can prove it wasn't you. Then they'll reverse the money into into your account. What I also think is quite funny is that people who say I will not use my credit card online, 
but I've got no problem giving Mr. Delivery their credit card numbers over the phone to some person because they're going to get some takeaways delivered. So, and when know. you do that, do you have to give your CVC the number? The whole thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that is. So somebody manually punches it into the into the system. So here's one for you and mm. one for me. Um, and you know, realistically, the guys who do this credit card fraud well, they do it in such sl- small amounts that you actually don't end up. It doesn't kind of stick out onto your credit card bill. It will be months before you'll pick up that something was a bit dodgy or suspicious. Yeah. So have, have you have ever had an issue with credit card payments or fraud? Or yes. So I've had. Um, well, I had when my wallet was pickpocketed in Rome, which was so much fun. Okay. Um, when in Rome? When in Rome, get pickpocketed. Yes, absolutely. Here's one for Rome. Woohoo. Um, what happened was that within a minute, they rang up those bills like nobody's business. Um, but went to the hotel room, phoned the credit card company in South Africa, said my credit card, my wallet was just cancelled half an hour ago, whatever it was. And they reversed all those transactions. Okay, but that was it. It was physically, physically. stolen. I'm saying, have you ever bought Online? on Take a Lot no. or Incredible Connection, and your stuff has been not, yeah. not not even once. And I've been doing it since kind of the inception of kind of, of online shopping. Not for those sites, no. <laughs> okay, um, but for you know, realistically, if it's a secure site and you follow the basic steps, like the little padlock, and it's a recognized site, you should have no issues. The people who get taken are the people who just click on any links. Um, especially in the email saying, oh, you need to update, click here. Mm. And then you get taken to some site that looks the same and then you put your credit card details. Um, but again, that information is really, really down to um, to you. If you check those credit card slip and go, hey, this wasn't me, they'll reverse it. Um, I don't understand how people use your credit card to buy an airline ticket because surely you need a passport and you know something kind of that, that links the two together. Yeah. Um, and there's a way to trace the person who actually flew <laughs> with a stolen credit card. I don't know, but people are a bit um, are, are, are a bit weird. Um, but we do have a solution. There is a solution, believe it or not, for those people who don't want to put their credit card online but still want to shop. So kind of like a pay-as-you-go. Credit card. Okay. Okay. So we've had these things in the States for a while where you can go into a pharmacy, um, you know, kind of a clicks equivalent, and just like you buy whatever it is off the shelf, you can actually buy a credit card that you put money into that account and you use that credit card until you spend it and then it's gone. Um, in South Africa, we haven't had that solution, but we do now. And it's a company called VC Pay. And on the line, we've actually got the MD, um, Philip, who's joining us all the way from the UK. Philip, are you here with us? Yes. Hi, guys. Morning. Morning. How are you doing? Hi, Philip. All right. And you? Good, good, good. So, Philip, just, uh, you know, we were speaking earlier about the fact that people don't have credit cards and want to make um, payment using kind of a credit card facility. And then there's those people who just don't want to put it, put in those details, and there's people who can't afford it. Um, what solution do you offer those people? Well, it's a good question. I mean, it's a there's a variety of uh, value propositions that we see coming out of our product and the users using our product at the moment. So we see we see the pro- so the product is actually called VC Pay. The company is called Zazu um, that runs this product. Um, and actually, what we're providing is accessibility. Security and then in the middle, somewhere in the middle, convenience. So we see, and I think you guys hit the nail on the head with the e-commerce fraud side of things. We also have the accessibility side of things. So a, a big use case that we've seen emerge in uh, countries like South Africa are underbanked people. So people who have potentially a bank account, um, but they don't qualify either for a credit card right. or for a card not present enabled card. So we also forget that in countries like the States where they accept debit card online, you actually have to have a card not present enabled debit card spend online. 
Um, so, so for these people, the application really allows you to EFT or use cash to fund the application. You can then create virtual credit cards, uh, prepaid virtual credit cards off the application offline. And you can use those cards to transact anywhere where a Visa card, MasterCard, or in our Asia areas, China Union Pay is accepted. Okay, so, so, so to, yeah. be, to be clear, basically, um, when you say application, it's a physical app that gets downloaded onto your mobile phone. Um, you load, and it's a, on a prepaid type of, of idea. You top it up and you get an actual credit card number, which you can use that credit card number wherever a MasterCard or Visa is required. Is that right? 100%. So the idea is, is that you can load, as an example, you know, a thousand rand. You can go and take a lot, generate a one-time usable virtual card. We have two types of card, multiple-use card and a one-time card. So you can create a one-time-use card, punch in the details, transact. This is a lot more useful, as you said, for the over-the-phone type of transacting, like your Mr. Deliveries, etc. Mm-hmm. Read them your virtual card details. That card is only usable for that one transaction. And after that transaction happens and you got your pizza, that card expires. So at least if the guy has written down all of your details, your PAN, your CVV, your expiry, uh, you don't need to worry about him selling that to the, to the highest bidder. Um, and and it, it's the same on, on e-commerce as well. So if you're concerned about security, it's a great way for you to be able to use cards, single transaction cards, or, or you can control the card in various ways as well. You can lock it to merchant. You can switch the card on or off. So um, so we're also providing convenience for those of you who don't want to link a card like you do typically on a website, and now you can't drop it down and just select it anymore. Right. You can still do that with our application, and you simply just go into the application and you enable or disable the card when you want to spend. Okay. Now, if somebody doesn't have a smartphone, so I mean, we live in a country where we take it for granted that everybody has a smartphone and they're all walking around with the latest and greatest technology, but that might not necessarily be the case. What solutions have you got for somebody who doesn't have the app? Can they still make use of your other services? Certainly. So um, we basically provide this through a couple of channels. The one is, uh, so we do USSD um, application, and we, we, we actually support feature phones, not only smartphones. So we go all the way down to your kind of the, the Samsung D600 of the past. Right. Um, all the way up to the iPhone, and then we also support USSD. So just as an example, we have a service in South Africa at the moment. We've got about 3.5 million users on that service using USSD to create these one-time cards. Sure. Um, and uh, and I think we've seen huge traction in that because, again, the other the big thing for us has been accessibility. So we've partnered up with the likes of Uber who have a problem in the country whereby, you know, they will reach a limit where students uh, – you know, don't have cards and want to use the service, uh, there's no way for them right now to use their bank account or cash to pay for an Uber, where now you can download our app, you can pre-fund it using cash or EFT, and you can link it to Uber and pay. And then um, I saw something on your site that you also have a facility to um, to top things up with EasyPay as well. Yes, so so we're part of uh, the bigger group, NetOne, who also is 100% owner of EasyPay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have integrated directly into all of our easy pay points of presence, which is sitting at around 80,000 or so at the moment uh, in South Africa. So you can go to uh, any of our till points at the likes of ShopRite, Checkers, Pick and Pay, and so on, and you can actually just deposit your money into the application at you know at the till. And, and Philip, can you give funds to other people, cards to other people here or so overseas? Actually, so Tanya, it's a great question. I mean, it's a 
it's actually one of the, the big use cases we've seen, funnily enough, in parent-to-children spending. Mm. So, so we've seen a huge market uh, in the online space emerge in underage or teen spending, and that's really just coming out of the drive of uh, you know these mobile devices in people's hands when they're four years old these days. I mean, it's the world <laughs> yeah. has changed. But it's, so it's, it's teaching responsible purchasing with a set budget. So one it's could exactly that. one could and do that with someone's pocket money. Yes. So you okay. also mentioned something interesting earlier about budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we what we're seeing is exactly that. So we're seeing parents are a little bit, you know, tired of having to give their physical plastic card to their kid because they want to link it to iTunes or PlayStation or Xbox. Now they don't need to do that anymore. They can actually just link their card once to our app, and they can create a virtual card, label it. And give that virtual card via MMS, Facebook, WhatsApp, they, or just read it out or show them the image of it to their kid. And the kid can actually then go and link this card to the iTunes store or the PlayStation store. And the best part about it is after they've done that, obviously the parent can then top this card up when and if they see fit. They can limit the spend. And, of course, they get full control over what their child is doing with the spend. Um, and that's a, it's a fantastic use case. So we've partnered up with a company in the UK called Funify. They actually do, um, uh, children, parents spending management. Um, and really what their application is all about is you can assign chores to, uh, to your children through the app. And when your children complete the chores, they get rewarded with whatever it is you want to give them, movie tickets. And 70% of the parents have asked for a digital currency reward. And so we've integrated with apps like them so that you can send them a Funify virtual card. They can link it anywhere they want, and they can go and spend responsibly. And the parent can obviously watch and see and have full transparency on what's being spent and where. And can they, or can kids or can anyone use these cards um, internationally? So if I load, let's say, a 1,000 Rand, which could buy me a Starbucks coffee overseas, <laughs> could I use it for that? As much as that. Uh, it, again, may, it's may, to maybe parent. a muffin so, as well. Yeah, we've got full control on the on the card spend. So because we run the entire system from from back all the way to the front, in other words, we are processing, we have a core banking system and process the actual authorization. We can see where that authorization is coming from and we can allow you as the parent or as the user controls for that authorization. So as I mentioned, you could switch the card on or off. You could switch it on for international or for domestic and you can actually lock it by merchant. So you could say, once your child has linked the card to, as an example, iTunes, you could see that merchant pop up on the first transaction, and you could then say, from here moving forward, allow no other types of transactions except iTunes transactions. So you can lock it down. Exactly right, yes. Okay. All right. So, Philip, if people want more information, where can they get um, – because, I mean, this sounds quite exciting – for anybody who doesn't, didn't even know the service even existed, which is even, which is why we do the show to educate. Um, where can yeah. they get more information? So they can go to vcpay.co.za and that's vcpay.co.za. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have all the information on the local product and the offering uh, on the site. And, uh, otherwise we do have ways for them to get in touch with us off of that site. We also have a Facebook page that they can find us there on vcpay. Cool. Uh, so if they want to get in touch with us via social media or go to our website, they're more than welcome to. And uh, uh, yes, we think it's a it's a fantastic uh, value proposition for a lot of different people in the marketplace. And mm-hmm. talking about Bitcoin, like you guys are going to be chatting about a little bit, you know, further yeah. on in the conversation, we've got an interesting um, uh, announcement we'll be making shortly on oh. the fact that we're able to use Bitcoin in our application to create virtual cards and spend. And you've heard it here first, people. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, All right, awesome. So Philip, thank you. Much. 
Yeah, thank you very much. That sounds absolutely awesome, and we'll absolutely keep our eyes, our eyes on that. Um, when you're back in South Africa, maybe we just get some more details behind the scenes. Um, 3.5 million people using the system is obviously incredible amount, and that's just USSD alone. So we look forward to catching up once you're back. Um, a quick message that has come through from um, on, on our WeChat from Ashley. Ashley says, looking forward to hearing about Bitcoin. I was a Bitcoin miner in 2014. With two tera hashes of mining power, so that was good at the time. Now, if you didn't understand a single word of what that actually meant, this is exactly why you should be listening to Simon Dingle coming in after the break, where he'll be telling us what the hell a miner is and ter- two tera hashes. I don't know the other hash. I'm not sure she's referring to that. All right, after the break. Talking tech with the techie guy, Elon Segev on CliffCentral.com. And we are back for Talking Tech on CliffCentral.com. And we're speaking all about money today, kind of a good topic, buying online, shopping. And in the studio, we've got Tanya Kowalski, who's here to help me discuss this sensitive topic of shopping. Tanya, it's not you, so sensitive to me. Just, well, some of us are not more, talk, pro, more professional than others, right? You <laughs> can never talk about a love of mine as sensitive. Well, there we go. Um, and just before the break, Ashley um, has reached out on, on WeChat saying she wants basically um, looking forward to hearing about Bitcoin. I was a Bitcoin miner in 2014 with two tera hashes of mining power. So it was good at the time. I don't even know what that means, but that's why we have Simon Dingle on line. Um, Simon, are you with us? Yes, I am. How's it, Simon? How are you doing? Good, thanks, and you? Excellent, excellent. Now, Simon, you're in the UK at the moment. I am indeed. I'm in London. Sure. Sp- I'm in. Are you spending those, Sorry? Man- those Are you spending those bitcoins in London? Uh, not too many Bitcoin, <laughs> lots of pounds, definitely. Lots of pounds. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Simon, um, he works with a lot of, of the fintech companies, a consultant to them. He works with a lot of them, like 22.7, and then BitX, which is what we want to talk about today. Um, so Simon, there's a lot of confusion about what the heck a Bitcoin is. Is it one of those geeky things that we need to know about? Is it one of those things that everybody's going to get to use at a point in time? So I think let's start at the beginning. What is a Bitcoin? Bitcoin's not really that that complicated when we start talking about what you can do with it, Liron. Um, you know, like like with the internet itself, um, you can get into a complicated discussion about TCP/IP and HTTP and how the internet works, domain name servers, etc. But nobody has a problem with what the internet can do for them uh, on their smartphones or on their computers. And I think uh, the discussion with Bitcoin is similar. So, Bitcoin is money for the internet. And we can have a complicated technical discussion about how it works, but I think most people understand money and what you can do with it, uh, and Bitcoin's the same. Okay, so, so is it specifically geared for online? Is that is that kind of its main aim? Well, I mean, it, it really was born on the Internet. It's ingrained into the Internet itself, Liron. So, you know, our, our previous money systems were okay uh, for a lot of things, but they were never designed with the Internet in mind. So sure. we've come up with ways of making things like credit cards work on the Internet using systems like PayPal, etc. But these were not systems that ever saw the Internet coming. Bitcoin changes that because Bitcoin was born in and of the internet itself. So it really, for the first time, is a way of transacting and sending value around that was imagined for the internet. So, I mean, the whole thing is of, of the credit card situation and the PayPal's luck. It's almost kind of forcing it to make it work because there was a need. And in order to buy your first 
online porn, you didn't have a choice. You had to find a system, and hence online credit cards were accepted. Are we saying mm-hmm. Bitcoin, kind of knowing those learnings, had that in mind, understanding we transact now at a touch of a button around the world, you needed a, some mm. different type of system to do that? Yeah, I mean, essentially what we're talking about is a, is a system of consensus because what makes Bitcoin special is this distributed ledger that it uses. Now, I think everybody listening probably knows what a ledger is. Your bank, of course, has a ledger. It's a record of transactions, and that's how they know what your bank balance is. When you go to your FNB or your ABSA or your Standard Bank or whatever, your online banking, and you, and you ask the system for your balance, mm-hmm. it goes and looks in a ledger, and it looks through all your transactions, and it comes up with the, the sum total of what those transactions have resulted. In. Now, Bitcoin also has a ledger. The difference is that this ledger is distributed on millions of computers all over the world, uh, and those computers have to uh, have to agree on the transactions in that ledger. So that's that's the reason why Bitcoin is more secure than any banking system ledger or any other money ledger that we've had before. Is because it's distributed. It also uses a high level of cryptography. Um, it also has this proof of work system for consensus, so that we know that all of these computers that are verifying these transactions are legitimate. Um, but also, it presents us with a system we can use for other things. So. The reason people are so excited about Bitcoin is not necessarily because of its use as money, mm-hmm. um, but because this ledger can be used to record anything, um, any human transaction, uh, and prove that human beings are who they say they are, own what they claim to own. It can be used for copyright. It can be used for property deeds. And that's really why people are so excited about Bitcoin is it has this massive potential to really just change the way we account for things. I mean, could, could this take care of like things like, like piracy, for example, in, in movies, in music, things of that nature? You know, there, there are ways that it could. Um, I, I spoke to a band in Canada last week uh, by the name of 22 Hertz. Uh, I, I chatted to them on a, on a podcast I host called Binary. And um, and this band has encoded the copyright for one of their songs into the blockchain. It's the first time that this has ever happened. So essentially what you can do is uh, you take an, a small amount of Bitcoin and you encode other information on it. To mm. use an example, if, if I took one penny – I mean, a penny's not worth anybody to anything. So nobody's gonna, worth anything to anybody. So nobody's gonna steal it from me. But if I write on that penny, I owe Tanya a thousand rand and I give it to Tanya, now all of a sudden that little coin is worth a thousand rand to her. And so what we can do with Bitcoin uh, or the blockchain is we can take tiny increments of Bitcoin. We can encode other information on it um, for other purposes. So that could be the copyright for a song or a movie. Um, it could be a title deed to property, etc. We refer to these things as colored coins, uh, Bitcoin that's being used for other purposes. But Simon, am I right to say that it is traceable and you can, you know, you can find who's, who's made the transactions and who's done the payments? Well, that's a slightly more complicated issue. Um, so if you go to blockchain.info in your web browser, you can go and access the blockchain and you can see a record of every single transaction that's ever happened on the blockchain. There's no way to hide those transactions. Yep. What is tricky is to, is to identify the from and the to in those transactions because you'll just see the addresses. So Bitcoin companies like Bitex um, go to, to, to great lengths to identify users before they allow people to transact. Similarly to how banks have to identify you in their FICA processes, in the Bitcoin world we have similar know your customer or KYC processes to make sure that we know who the people are who are transacting. And the moment we can connect your name to a Bitcoin address, 
just like connecting your name to a bank account number, it's very difficult to cover your tracks on the network. That said, the, you know, if, you, if you're dealing with people who don't insist that you identify yourself when you make transactions, it can be completely anonymous. And that's part of the power of Bitcoin as well. Liron suggested um, buying porn earlier. Um, Bitcoin is that's proving quite popular for that because uh, – because I, I have no experience in this department, but Liron, maybe you can tell us more. <laughs> but apparently when you buy porn, anonymity is a big thing. And so being able to send money to somebody without them knowing who you are is quite handy. Allegedly. Always say allegedly. <laughs> this is how we start every conversation. Um, but I, I, what I do like is the fact that it's distributed. So you know, we've, we're watching the news where Greece banks are shut down because nobody can get their money anymore. This can't happen with a Bitcoin situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we, we saw an interesting microcosm of things happening in Cyprus a couple of years ago, uh, where similar things were happening uh, that are happening in the Greek market now, where governments are clamping down on banking systems, setting restrictions. Um, and in the Cyprus case, they were even taking money out of personal bank accounts to bail the country out. Um, now, what happened in Cyprus were, was we saw people flocking to, to Bitcoin because mm. uh, nobody can control what you do with your Bitcoin. If you use a, a decentralized wallet to store your Bitcoin, uh, you don't need a bank. You can be your own bank. Um, and no government can come and, and decide how much of the money, of your money they're going to siphon off of an account. And so in Cyprus, people immediately flocked to Bitcoin to the extent that Bitcoin is now such a part of the, of the, of the Cypriot economy that you can pay for your university tuition using Bitcoin. Wow. Um, so I don't know that we'll see a similar thing happening in Greece, but it's quite possible. And if you're a gambling person, that means that right now is probably a really good time to be buying Bitcoin. So, I mean, okay, so now that's the part I want to touch on because there's, there's a bit of confusion. I mean, Bitcoin is a, at the end of the day, it is a currency. It is traded. You, you buy and you sell like you would stocks, right? Yeah. Or, or any other commodity. Or anything else, and that's right. the interesting thing about Bitcoin is it's on one hand a commodity and on, an, on the other hand a currency and, and, and those two things are threaded into one with Bitcoin. Okay, so I mean, it, it is you. Do, so just take us through a process. Somebody wants to start out with Bitcoin; they would need to register, to get a virtual wallet first. Just get, take us kind of through through that process with Bitex specifically. How does that work? Okay, so I'm glad you asked me to do it with Bitex in particular. For example, for example. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, you know. Objectively, I can say that especially for South Africans, BitX is the best place to start. We've got apps available for iOS and Android, or you can just log into the web website at bitx.co. Um, and what we do is, you know, besides for, for, um, for making things compliant with regulation and, and getting you to submit your ID book and proof of residence and all the rest of it, uh, we also make it very safe for you to store your Bitcoin because part of the, Part of the challenge for um, consumers using Bitcoin for the first time is that a lot of the wallets they'll encounter either live on your phone or your computer. And if you lose that wallet or lose access to it, um, then you can lose your money as well. And, and Bitex really solves that problem um, by securely storing your wallet for you. Uh, so kind of like a bank will look after your money for you. Bitex will look after your Bitcoin for you. But more importantly... Um, you can get, you can buy Bitcoin from Bitex because getting a Bitcoin wallet is, is easy. Getting the actual Bitcoin to put in it is, is the trickier part for a lot of people. Um, so with, with Bitex, you can, 
either very easily quickly buy and sell Bitcoin, just a straight transaction, uh, or if you want to get more advanced, you can dive into um, the Bitex exchange and you can go and trade Bitcoin. Um, but for people who just want to buy it without worrying about trading, even on the iOS and Android apps, you can just make a straight transaction and buy Bitcoin with RAND or sell uh, a Bitcoin for RAND. So that's a really easy way to get started. I also recommend people check out the Bitcoin Foundation website. It's just bitcoin.org. Um, there's fantastic tutorials there and information for consumers. Uh, it explains a little bit more about how the system works. And then recently there was a really great uh, documentary uh, put out called The Rise and Rise of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I think it's available on iTunes and online elsewhere. Um, very interesting documentary, quite engaging and very honest look at, at where Bitcoin came from and, and, how, and you know, how it got to where it is today. Yeah, and it was, was actually quite cool. Sorry, I was I just happened to be killing yet another hour on a plane, and I and I bumped into this. It was actually quite incredible about how the guys use these machines to mine the actual Bitcoin. Um, and actually, yes. sent a message about about having two terahashes of mining power. What does that <laughs> mean? <laughs> what I mean, so, is it like a miner's hat? I mean, do you buy equipment? Do you do you? I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it, mining is fascinating and, uh, the way it works is it, essentially it's, it's part of this proof of work system, uh, this consensus system. Uh, there's a, the blockchain really is, uh, a massive algorithm of very complex mathematics. And what these mining computers do is they're chomping through this algorithm and essentially solving, um, equations or formula, um, to, to generate blocks of Bitcoin. Um, and and the amount of work that goes into all of this compute um, is also how we know that these systems are legitimate because they're actually doing this work and proving that they've done this work by spitting out the right answer to the next block in the algorithm. So it can get very complicated mm. to understand this very quickly. Um, <laughs> But but mining is is essential to the Bitcoin network. Firstly, it unlocks more Bitcoin for us to use. So just like you would mine gold, the mining process in Bitcoin generates more units of Bitcoin. There's a finite supply, and that's a whole different discussion. Um, but it does that. The other thing that 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 the mining network does is it verifies transactions. So when I send you Bitcoin and it goes through the network, it's right. going through miners' computers and they all verifying the transaction, checking that they agree with each other. And once you get uh, six validations, we know that this money really belongs to you and it'll show up in your balance. But how difficult is the mining? I've heard it's gotten quite challenging. The algorithms are shifting. So part of part of the the beauty of Bitcoin is that the mining algorithms adjust themselves according to how many people are transacting or involved in mining. So in the early days, uh, you could load up a miner just on your computer at home, um, and you would probably be able to generate a few Bitcoin. The more people start mining Bitcoin, the more difficult it becomes to solve the next block. Yeah. And so right now, because Bitcoin is such a lucrative and and, and viable um, commodity. Uh, they, they mine, they, you know, big mining operations all over the world and data centers filled with ASIC miners, which are computers that, that were designed specifically for the purpose of, of mining Bitcoin. So they do one thing very well. Um, and so right now you're wasting your time trying to mine Bitcoin on your home computer. Mm. You'd have to go and buy ASIC miners yourself. Um, and, and as we, you know, as Bitcoin continues to become more popular, more people will want to mine it, um, etc. Another option for people who want to get into it really easily um, is cloud mining. There are companies like Genesis Mining, um, which just like you go and buy uh, web services from Amazon, for example, mm-hmm. you can go and rent space on their servers. 
uh, and they'll mine Bitcoin for you and just send you, you know, what they owe you every day once the mining is done. Um, so that's a really easy way to get into mining without having to understand all of the complexities and technical setups yourself. And Simon, you've spoken about the advantages of Bitcoins. What are the disadvantages? I mean, what happens when that exchange rate shifts, um, dollar drops? So you're alluding drops, to the volatility of, of Bitcoin. Uh, another way to look at it is how volatile the, the dollar is. It's all over the place yeah. against the Bitcoin. It's up and down. <laughs> um, but, but jokes aside, um, that has been a problem for Bitcoin that has pretty much gone away over the last couple of months. The Bitcoin price has quite stably hovered between sort of 240 and $245 over the last few months. Uh, it's jumping up at the moment. I think people are speculating on Greece. Um, but that volatility certainly was one of the challenges. So another thing we did at Bitex was we integrated with Payfast in South Africa. Um, and Payfast provides payment systems for a lot of online retailers, including takealot.com uh, and, a, and a range of others. Now, these guys want to accept Bitcoin because it's cool and it's a really convenient way for people to pay, but they don't want to be exposed to the volatility. And, and what we did with Payfast is we gave them a way to instantly convert Bitcoin to Rand. Um, so if, you're a, if you use Payfast for your online transactions in South Africa, you can, you can choose to, to let your customers pay with Bitcoin, but you won't even know that that's happening. You'll just see Rand arriving in your bank account through the Bitex infrastructure. Um, so I think those are... Those are the short-term things that we need to be able to do, uh, or maybe longer than short-term, but those are the things we need to do to make it safer for people to use Bitcoin. But other than the volatility, um, you know, A, I don't think we'll see uh, Bitcoin going away. It's just it's got too much um, critical mass at the moment. Um, we've also seen big companies like the New York Stock Exchange and, and DTT to Como, uh, et cetera, jumping into the space. Um, it's very difficult to imagine a scenario where Bitcoin goes away right now. So I, I, I doubt anybody's going to lose their money that way. It really only is the volatility that I can think of as a downside mm. right now. And, and just you touched on it earlier as well. It's, there is an anonymous side if you want, if you don't go through a regulated exchange or somebody is out to, to start off with the mind of being dodgy. Um, mm. are, are governments, I mean, surely they must be up in arms with this whole, um, currency. Um, I know people used to buy kind of everything mm. and everything online until those, those websites got shut down. Isn't there that kind of illegal element to this as well that can be used? As with everything. Not really. Not really. I mean, not. you know, criminals had such a hard time with rands and dollars. Hey, sure, it was a big problem for them. I mean, <laughs> you can use Bitcoin's a better form of money for everything. So it'll be a better form of money for um, for crime, just like it'll be a better form of money for buying a car. Right. You know, if you cu- if you make a really good bread knife, it's going to cut the hell out of bread. It's also going to be really good at stabbing people in the face. That doesn't mean you should use it for that. Um, and so the whole, you know. It, What's legal and what isn't, that's a societal problem, not a technology problem. Um, that said, uh, Bitcoin does have a lot to offer lawmakers and regulators because the blockchain is such an open and public record that nobody can, can uh, tamper with. You know, right now, if, if the bank wants to go, if, uh, sorry, the government wants to go and trace a transaction for whatever reason, sure. they need to go and get subpoenas for the bank's records, etc. They don't need any of that with Bitcoin. Uh, what they do need to be able to do is match people to addresses. So, um, if you want to be scaly with Bitcoin, then just like in the world of, of regular money, there's ways to do it. Um, but I think that if, as a, 
society, we say we value things um, uh, like not, uh, you know, buying illegal substances. Right. Then Bitcoin certainly offers us a really good way of validating transactions and tracing them when they do go wrong. And, and spinning this on the positive, a lot of the kind of the futurists say that we, we're heading towards a cashless society. But we don't want to carry our rands and cents. Well, cents definitely not. We don't want to carry money in our physical wallets anymore. Surely everything is going to go electronic at a point in time. And we've seen lots of countries already making serious headway in that direction. Is Bitcoin one of those currencies that we can just expect to see that makes sense? Well, Bitcoin will be the, the currency this happens with. But, uh, you know, we're still going to be dealing with cash dollar for a long time. Um, so, you know, people said newspapers were going to go away and they oh, probably course. will. <laughs> but, at, at a point. But, but not any time <laughs> no, soon, sure. you know. Um, and, and I don't think that our regular fiat uh, currencies like the rand and the dollar will go away, and I don't think that paper money is going to go away. Incidentally, you can make paper Bitcoin. You can make paper wallets and send uh, Bitcoin to it and hand those around, which is quite interesting. And there's also the possibility that governments could choose to um, encode their fiat currencies onto the blockchain. You know, we used to have the gold standard for money. We now use the bullshit standard for money. Uh, and it's not difficult to imagine that um, we could, just like we had a gold standard, move towards Bitcoin or the blockchain as a standard and, uh, and, and use that as a basis for our other world currencies. But it just seems to make sense when you're thinking that it's my money. I don't want one person controlling it. And right now, um, if you look at if you look at our bank branches anymore, they're not they're not. There's no longer a big safe at the back or a vault. They're basically used like as information bureaus. Do you know, tell me about my car loan or my home loan. But realistically, it's all ones and zeros encoded in some deep computer somewhere. There's no longer. Yeah. Most people don't go to a bank to deposit money anymore. We've moved into the whole online world. From your mobile phone, you can do virtually anything. Isn't that kind of where Bitcoin really plays a great part where I'm not restricted to one person saying yay or nay to my money? Absolutely. And I mean, as, as you guys know, um, innovation is all about cutting out processes. It's all about taking middlemen out of, out of the game. And right now we're dealing with a lot of middlemen in the financial industry that we just frankly don't need anymore. Um, a and B have been charging us, sure. um, borderline <laughs> criminal fees for helping us with uh, move our money around before. So um, do we really need entire organizations that are structured in a way that a small group right at the top of that organization will be able to own 15 mansions all over the world, yachts uh, <laughs> and their own airplanes, yeah. um, sure. while while their customers are, are eking out a living every month and having to to pay these these exorbitant fees to these assholes to help them move their money around, or, or uh, move we, our money around as well. <laughs> but someone we has don't need them anymore. But someone has become very wealthy from this, and that's the founder or the founders. Um, how much is the founder or Satoshi Nakamoto as he or she or they are known as? I mean, what are they he she worth? It. We have no idea. And, um, and do you know who, like, do you have any inkling of who this is or where they are? Absolutely not. Not even a small idea. <laughs> do, you think, do, do you think we'll ever find out? I don't think we will, and I don't think it matters yeah. because, you know, what Satoshi Nakamoto did was write a white paper that proposed the Bitcoin system, and that mm. was genius in itself. We yeah. don't know if Satoshi was one person or, or many people. I've got good reason to believe it was one, but. 
But that doesn't matter because the hard work happened after that. Um, and guys like Gavin Andreessen and other really smart computer scientists jumped in and actually built Bitcoin. Um, and it's, it's, it's really a community project like open source software. You know, Linus Torvalds, uh, bought, brought Linux to the world, but you can't really claim that he owns Linux right, or, right, right. Or, mm. or is the sole contributor. It's about the group of people making this happen. And there are thousands of developers all over the world working on the Bitcoin standard every day, contributing to the network in other ways, running, running mining operations. This really is a, a group effort. How much is Satoshi and, and the people who mined the first blocks of Bitcoin worth? Uh, I can't tell you exact numbers. It's it's quite a lot in dollar terms, and I think they deserve every cent of it. Mm. Well, considering they've literally changed the world. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. Um, just a quick question that has come in from Kariba on Twitter. It says, can you use Bitcoin for real-world stuff, not just online? Uh, absolutely. So I mentioned uh, Bitex's PayFast integration earlier. Yes. So you can go to takealot.com and you can buy just about anything on Takealot with Bitcoin. Um, there's some uh, bars and restaurants in South Africa, like Alexander Bar in Cape Town, where you can go and buy food and drink with Bitcoin. Sure. Um, so, so there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's more and more businesses accepting it every day. I think it's still the scene is still quite small, but it's cool. it's growing rapidly, and um, well, if we and think, there certainly are a lot of real world things you can do with it. If if you think about what um, you know, the journey that um, companies like Snapscan have had, with using your mobile phone to make payment. Um, mm. you know, these things are being adopted, you know, faster and faster and faster. And I think as we trust the technology more and more, especially when it comes to something like sensitive like our money, people are going to start adopting this more and more and more and using it. And therefore mm. establishments are going to have to start offering that as a service because we're demanding it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's really the way the world changes is customers demand something and we get a critical mass of people. Uh, and then, and then the organizations that provide the services, et cetera, uh, they, they have to change. They, you know, they have to keep to up be. or fall behind. There's got to be a tipping point where from that point onwards, you ju- it just has to be the de facto currency. Um, it can be one of many, but it has to be at least part of an option because we want it to be. So Absolutely. I think, I think that's coming and, in. You know, that, like you're saying, that's that's up to that's up to all of us to decide. Well, interesting that um, the guest that we had on air, um, Philip from VC Pay, um, they create a virtual um, credit card, and they were saying before he signed off, he goes, "Well, just a heads up, we're going to start accepting bitcoins as well now as a way to pay for your virtual credit card." So, yet another company obviously seems to be adopting um, adopting all this. Nice. They must be very smart guys, those. I'll tell you what. We only get the best on the show. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, Simon, thank you very much for taking time out of your day in the UK. Um, go have your Starbucks and, and pay insane <laughs> amount of euros for those. Um, yeah. And then any more information, Simon, how can they get people get a hold of you or the company to get more information? Uh, so Bitex is uh, at bitex.co. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Simon Dingle uh, or my own website, simon.co.za. Right, you've heard it here, people. Go do it. All right, Simon, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Simon. Cheers. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Sure, so that was quite interesting. I mean, the whole virtual currency thing 
is, I mean, we live in that world, I suppose, you and, know. And cashless. But I mean, how who awesome is that? Use, who wants to carry around cash? I use it for car guards and parking. Uh, pretty much it. Yeah. But soon, but I mean, I don't know if you saw the thing in Cape Town where car guards are now starting to accept snap scans as well as a way to, that to is make brilliant. it. brilliant. So wait, do they each have a They each got a barcode, a unique ID. Um, I don't think it's car guards. It's more the guys who charge for your parking on the side what of the road. What a pleasure. No more carrying money. Yeah. Um, I think, but it's going to be more and more integrated into stuff that we wear. Um, I mean, you happen to be wearing one of those new fancy, fancy eye. I thingy. Apple watches, yes. Apple watches, yeah. yes. Which you've been sending everybody smiley faces. Yeah, and sketches too, you Which know. is quite cool. Are you, re- are you enjoying that eye watch? No, I'm absolutely loving it. Is it the best thing um, ever? looking forward to when they're available officially here. Okay. Um, this is from Apple Store in London, but yeah, excited for when they hit here. So, and then I mean, Apple's doing a big play with, with having Apple um, pay facility as well. So, yeah. I mean, we're all going to go towards this virtual tap and go um, situation. I think even um, Disney World or Disney Park in the US has got an ability to have a band, so you no longer carry yeah, cash. So you load all your cash on your band, so you can buy. Well, rides are included usually. Yeah. Food, toys. Um, you open your hotel room door with your band. I mean, Seriously? it's genius. So your only worry is you know falling Losing off a roller coaster. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's, it's pretty safe. So I mean that's that's pretty awesome. Okay, but, but it I mean, must be difficult. I mean, it must be easy. Sorry, to lose track of how much you're spending. I think that's the point. Though. Yeah, unless you're loading a specific amount and you know what your budget is. But so, remember the casinos that used to have used to have like a little cap with your twenty cent pieces, and then you knew this was what you put in the machine. Now it's a card, and yeah. then that and, money goes. And remember that satisfying feeling of your hands going brown oh, love it. from all the money you uh, put into your into your cup. <laughs> yeah, I think we're revealing our age here. Details. Yeah. Okay, fine. But I mean, you you picked up another Disney story for a whole other wrong reason. Yeah, Disney, and yeah. this completely surprises me, has banned selfie sticks from all their parks. No, because be. they say that selfie sticks are dangerous. Now, okay, explain. I mean, so. Yeah, maybe you're holding out a stick and you're going to bunk a child on the head or... Uh, I understand during, maybe during the actual roller coaster ride. Yeah. You should be taking a selfie with your selfie stick. Yeah, you should be holding on. But look, you're strapped anyway, uh, you know. So, yeah, so from the 30th, well, July 1st, all the Disney parks around the world um, won't have... And they'll actually be checking handbags for uh, selfie uh, sticks. So uh, they'll be uh, looking for guns and selfie sticks. Well, the fact that we've put this two on the same level <laughs> is just idiotic. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, really? I mean, have they had incidents to justify this? Not that I can tell, but maybe it's a precautionary measure. Maybe. Do you know what's really bad is shoes. You know, shoes can really hurt. Let's not have our shoes. You know what also is really, really bad is a raincoat. Because in case you might rain, you might want to protect your kind oh, of hats. You oh, could poke oh, someone hats. in the eye oh, with, and blind hat. someone. Yeah. You've seen the Durban July hats are hectic. I mean, I think they're just losing the friggin' plot here. Um, I mean, a selfie stick. But the good news is if they do find a selfie stick in your bag, they yeah. won't take it away forever. You can fetch it as you leave the On gate. your way out. Yeah. So there's Not like the airport, those no. bastards. I mean, really. So, I mean, you can, I just want to be clear. You can travel on an international flight with a selfie stick. That's cool with that. But you cannot go see Mickey because in case you might poke Mickey with your selfie. You just uh, have to go uh, with someone with very long arms. Long, uh, uh, sorry. Um, like, I, I mean, people hate those selfie sticks, fine, I get it, personal choice. Mm. But, I mean, really? Banning it? They could have said, said no selfie sticks because they look ridiculous. Uh, and, and, you know what, and people would accept it. Yeah. But the fact that they're banning, there's going to be like a hashtag, unban selfie at Disney. There's gonna, I mean, you know someone's going to do it. Should we start something? Someone's going to do it. Yeah. Well, listen, we don't have um, selfie, we don't have Disney in South Africa. We can't afford to go to Disney because of the Rand dollar Bitcoin exchange anyways. 
Um, but I still think, I think it's cooked. I think they've lost the plot. Um, to selfie or not to selfie should be your own choice, damn it. But you know what? The, in fairness to selfie sticks, a lot of people, short, shorter people, mm-hmm. use selfie sticks to get vantage points. And also it's quite cool to think about it. You lift your hand and you sure. get a great, like, scenery picture. Uh, I, I see only So there's a place. Um, I mean, if you're shooting video and you can't see over the 30 other people in yeah. front of you, yeah. what a win, right? But the fact is that now I'm a little kid stuck in the back. I can't see the Disney parade. <laughs> So I could use my selfie stick, but now, no, Mr. Walters decided that this isn't just a bad idea. I fuck, I don't really. Sometimes, just a mind boggles. <sighs> okay, it's fine. We're calm. We're collective. Okay, so uh, this wraps up our show. Look, I mean, an hour yet again has just flown past. Um, Tanya, thank you very much as usual. Thank you for having me yet again. Yet again. Always good to have you. Um, you pick up these amazing stories, so that's also quite cool. Um, Simon, thank you for joining us all the way from the UK, and Philip as well from the UK. We seem to be doing, going quite internationally UK-minded. We should branch. Yeah, and the studio's quite lonely well, with just us and Duncan. I, I know. Even though Duncan pretty much has heard everything <laughs> by 10 o'clock this morning, uh, but now he's like so educated. Are you watching porn, Duncan? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, okay. Anyway, I think before we get ourselves into more travel, uh, Tanya, people want to get a hold of you as usual. What is your Twitter handle? Um, Twitter handle, Tanya Kowarski, T-A-N-Y-A-K-O-V-A-R-S-K-Y, or my blog, which is rattleandmum.co.za. For all the cool parenting and children advice that you could ever need without going to yet another stupid site. Just saying, hashtag. Um, otherwise, get a hold of me. It's at Liron, L-I-R-O-N underscore S-E-G-E-V or thetechieguy.com. And this is us signing off for another episode of Talking Tech on Cliff Central. Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Liron Segev on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.